Some want to live within the sound of church or chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. He had fame. He had money. Multiple times offered to him. And yet his focus was set on Christ. We aren't used to seeing people with such a clear focus today, are we? You know, sometimes it's hard to keep our eyes on what is the most important thing. Children are important. So is being responsible at work and taking care of our commitments. But of all the relationships and all the commitments that we have as Christians, the most important one that we have, the most important relationship and commitment is to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And sometimes, as painful as it is to admit it, our relationship with Jesus gets pushed aside for other things. But just like any other relationship, we need to work at it. And we need to make sure that we are aware of the reality and the danger of drifting, drifting apart that happens when we are not vigilant to protect that important relationship. The story of these two sisters is probably well known, and I'm not giving it to you as something that you haven't yet heard, but as a gentle reminder to all of us to guard the relationship we have with Jesus. These two sisters in Luke 10, 38 remind us of the priority of our relationship to Christ. If I were to give this message a title, it would be returning Christ to the center. Returning Christ to to the center, to the center of our lives, to the center of our world, to the center of our universe, to the center of our thinking, to the center of everything that we say and do. Just as C.T. Studd had Christ as the center, we too must seek to follow Jesus as closely as possible. Mary and Martha took different approaches to their priorities, but as we read, only one of them made the right decision. It seems like such a simple scene, it seems like something that probably happens all over the world every single day, having to choose between two different things, both of them good, both of them important, and yet there are incredible lessons for us in this passage. So this morning in our time together, I want to look at three choices that we have to make as followers of Christ so that we don't lose sight of our commitment to our Savior and if we have drifted, as if we know it right here at the outset, you're sitting there thinking, that's me, and we haven't even looked at it yet, then you listen and understand how it is that we can get back to the center. And maybe you don't realize you've drifted. It's just a slow process, small degrees taking us away, that you would see it this morning, and that you would commit yourself to moving back to the center. And I pray that we'd see our need to return to Christ as the center of our lives and our affections. The first question, I guess, is to ask where we're focused. Is are we focused on blessing or are we focused on busyness? That will help you to see the choice. Blessing or busyness? Notice verse 39 again. 
We've already seen the setup. They were traveling along. Jesus enters the village where Mary and Martha live, and a woman named Martha welcomed her, him into her home. In verse 39, it says, she had a sister now. We're introduced to the second sibling. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. So let's start with there. Mary sitting at Jesus's feet. She's absorbed in the teaching that Jesus is bringing to his disciples. This is a figure of speech. She probably was literally sitting at his feet, but even if she wasn't, if she was sitting at a chair or she was sitting in the back of the room, it doesn't matter because the picture is that she's sitting there absorbing what Jesus is saying. She's a student and Jesus is the teacher. Paul, when he described his own life in ministry, he said that he was a student who sat at the feet of the rabbi Gamaliel, meaning that he was a student of Gamaliel. Now, this opportunity that Mary had was probably pretty rare for women in Jesus' day. Remember that the temple, if you know the outline of the temple, there was a courtyard. It was called the courtyard of the women, and there was a courtyard for the men. The courtyard for the women was a balcony that was up in the corners, and they couldn't come down to the main floor where only Jewish men were allowed. And then that was very limited for them. Even in the home, there was a separation that occurred. Going back to the life of Abraham, you remember Abraham came out and he serves people. And where is his wife, Sarah? She's in the tent, peeking, listening, yes, but she's not there. She's not involved. Because in this culture, women and men were very separate. They had very separate roles. So this is an incredible opportunity. So the fact that Jesus teaches mixed groups spoke directly to women even had women for disciples. Very unusual for this time. And Mary, Mary says, I'm not going to miss any of it. I'm not going to take a back seat. I'm not going to go into a different room. I'm not going to wash dishes. She says, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to listen to my master as he pours out these words of life. I long to hear them. She drank it all in. Her spiritual thirst is being satisfied. But very soon, her desire is challenged. Notice what it says. She's seated, verse 40 says, but Martha, her sister, most likely, by the way, her older sister, Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him, that being Jesus, and said... Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Let's just stop there for a second. What's Martha doing? She's preparing supper. Verse 38 tells us that Martha was the one who welcomed them into her home. Notice that. She was most likely the eldest and her siblings lived with her. And in inviting Jesus and the disciples, plus their brother Lazarus and Mary, that's 15 people. Ever had that happen after church? You get some visiting choir and there's 15 of them and the husband goes up and says, why don't you come on over for lunch? There's plenty. And if you're the wife, what do you do? After saying several things in your mind, you're going to have to apologize and ask forgiveness for later. You panic. 15 people. These are not large homes. These are not wealthy people. These are common people. And so she's rushing. She's working. She's getting involved, trying to figure out how she's going to make this all work out because she is the oldest. She would have been responsible to show them hospitality. 
And so verse 40 says, which is completely understandable, that she is distracted with all her preparations. That word preparations is akin to the word we use in English for deacons, her servings, her ministering. Not only is this just a large gathering, but it's a special one. It's not just a group from, from a school that's singing in the choir at your church one Sunday. No, no, no. This is Jesus. She knows who Jesus is, at least at a limited point where she knows that he's something special. He is sent from God. Maybe she thinks he's a rabbi. Maybe she thinks he's a prophet. Maybe she understands that he is the Messiah. Whatever it is, this is not a common man. And so she wants it to be right. She wants it to be special. And Martha loves the Lord. But she's so busy, so busy getting things ready that she's left her guest, the one that she thinks is so special, the one that she loves so deeply. She leaves her guest to work in the kitchen area. And the wording here gives us the idea that Martha isn't just preparing a simple meal. These aren't bologna sandwiches she's making. She's going all out for her special guests. And you've got to hear me, this isn't a bad thing in itself. It's not a bad thing to serve the way Martha is serving. But we just can't applaud Martha because she isn't just merely taking care of her guests. She's going overboard. Her misguided care for Christ's hunger causes this activity, this anxiety, this worry, this fear to overshadow her attention to the one that she loved. And it moves her focus off of Jesus and her own need for spiritual feeding to the feeding of bodies. And it's a gradual one. It's a gradual one, but it's a critical one. Sometimes we can become so distracted and become so busy with our lives and our ministries on all the other things in life that we can put Jesus out of the picture. The one that we're serving and living for, the one who died for us and saved us, that one, we can push him out. We're so busy serving that we haven't sat at Jesus' feet. Martha doesn't teach us not to serve. Her example teaches us that busyness is not biblical. And for far too many families and too many Christians, busyness is unspiritual. And it, this, these you know, unspiritual pursuits rob us of the time that we should be instead spending time with the Lord that we love. Our packed schedules mean that we're more tired and yet we're less fulfilled. We work more overtime. We get more done than ever before. But for what? Because after we finish all of this business, what do we do? We need to relax. We need more downtime. The most recent U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics said that we average about four to five, hear that, four to five hours of leisure time per person per day on regular work days. Regular weekdays, four to five hours per person per day. That's almost half the time that we sleep. That's almost half the time that we work. 
And during weekends and holidays, it goes up. We spend six and a half hours on weekends in leisure activities. And in all that busyness, all of that searching for relaxation and fun, because we're so busy, we squeeze out the time that we could have been spending sitting quietly at the feet of Jesus. No wonder so many Christians are so spiritually dry. And to make up for it, we use cheap substitutes to make up for this deficit in our spiritual life. We buy into the idea that it's not quantity time, it's quality time. As long as it's quality, it'll be fine. But we don't understand that quantity and quality fit together. You ever had a gourmet meal that you purchased through the drive-thru? Nah. Doesn't work that way. One-minute Bibles produce one-minute Christians. Take time daily in the Word, refreshing your soul. Because the reality is you cannot feed others if you have not eaten a spiritual meal yourself. So where are we focused? On blessings or busyness? Here's a second thing. Are we focused on the Lord or are we focused on a lackey? Notice uh, this is very interesting what Martha says in the end of verse 40. Not only does she say, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Notice the last phrase, then tell her to help me. Now, although we don't read it here, it may have been that Martha was uh, used to sitting and listening at Jesus' feet as well, that she had spent time listening to Jesus' teaching. Um, Martha and Mary and Lazarus were good friends with Jesus, so it's hard to believe that this is the only time that's ever happened on this occasion. But she's so swept in, in the busyness of the moment that she's too distracted by her work to spend time with Jesus. And so please notice what she did in verse 40. She came up to him. Now you can hear the frustration in her words. She comes up to him, and she says, Lord, don't you care about me? Don't you care about me and the fact that my sister, my lazy, good-for-nothing sister, now that's all implied in there, it's not actually, that's my interpretation as the oldest son in my family, that I can, just, I can picture my little brother just sitting there doing nothing, right? Don't you care? then tell her to help me. In her stress and in her anxiety about her preparation for lunch, she accuses the Lord she loves. She accuses Jesus Christ, the Son of God, of not caring for her. And then she commands Jesus to say something. That's the funny part, is that she calls him Lord, which means master. That's the question. Is he the Lord or is he a lackey? Do what I say. The servant of the Lord is now demanding that her beloved master do what she wants. So who really was the master for Martha? Because from her words, you can see what she's driven by. I think she's driven by the things she wanted to accomplish. For her, it was an impressive meal. And for some people, their job is their master. 
I mean, God wants us to work. You don't work, you don't eat. But the work has taken over for some people. The work is driven by a love of work, a love of money, a love of reputation, a love of status, a love of things. And they might say to themselves, I wish I could spend more time in the Word. You don't understand, Pastor, but I need to get to work. Then after work, they say, I'm so tired. I just need to unwind. Can I just read the paper? God understands. It's not like I'm looking at bad stuff. I just want to watch the news. I'll get around to reading my Bible. I'll get around to praying just in a little while. But we all know that all too often, that time never comes. The job becomes the master. And time for Christ gets crowded out. For others, it's different things. Their family, the spouse, is the master. They fill their days with activities, fill their days with sports, with family outings, with vacation getaways. And like work, God wants us to care for our children, for our spouses. But these families replace a spiritual relationship with activities, leaving out God. And for many, they're teaching their children through this example that God can always take a back seat to family. You know, the two should never compete. Christ should always come first. Then there are some that make pleasure their master. Just give them any excuse for fun, any excuse to have a good time, and it will derail their devotion to Christ. Serving others, prayer, time in the Word, Bible study, all sacrificed on the altar of pleasure. We wish we had time, but in reality, pleasure is the master. Love for the Lord drove Martha's desire to serve the Lord, which is good and necessary for all true Christians. But look at how this attitude spread. Tell her then. Her desire to please the Lord became anger because her focus moved from doing what was meant to be pleasing to the Lord to forgetting that she's speaking to the Lord. And her priorities are shown to be all out of whack. She'd rather have her sister deprived of the blessing than for her to join and sit at his feet. Can you imagine that? When we take our focus off the Lord, we really can't call Jesus the master of our life. Because he's no longer in control, is he? When we take our eyes off the Lord, we not only affect our own spiritual life, but frequently we affect the lives of those that are around us that we love and care for, the way that they walk with the Lord as well. We need to be aware of that. Here's a third. Are we focused on diversions or devotion? Are we focused on diversions or devotion. You notice that Jesus says in verses 41 and 42 that the Lord speaks and he said to Martha, 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 you are worried and bothered about so many things. Martha had become divided in her interests. That word for worried or anxious in our English Bibles speaks of being distracted by too many concerns. The meal preparations probably included many things going at once. I've been in a busy kitchen. You've seen it, I've seen it. Pots and ovens and 
all kinds of things going. And then there's this desire to sit at Jesus' feet, which I believe she had as well. And with all these things, Martha chose the duties involving the preparation of the meal. Again, serving is admirable and it's necessary, but this is important. Listen, our service to the Lord needs to arise out of our devotion and love for the Lord. Martha may have started there, but she didn't end up there. On the other hand, Mary's devoted. She's not diverted. She's devoted to choosing that one good part. Jesus says, the one thing is necessary, for Martha has chosen the good part, the good portion out of all the possibilities, all the choices out there, all the things that are confusing you, Martha. There's only one that you need, and your sister picked it out of the whole crowd of stuff swirling around this little house right now. All the things that Mary could have done, she chose the one thing that would make a real difference. She didn't allow the urgent call of the world to beckon her away from her Lord's side. And the Lord looks at Jesus lovingly but sternly and tells Martha, I'm not taking that away from your sister. He doesn't say, Mary, this is an important meal. Get in there. Help your sister. What? How unkind that is of you to not help your sister. Why are you being lazy? That's sin. Get in there and help your sister. No, he looks at Martha, the hard worker, the devoted one. How many of us would side with her? But you see what she's lost in the exchange. Let me ask you this. What will you regret most about how you spent your time on earth? Will it be how little you worked? If I could have had five more years, I'd have worked five more years at my company. Doubtful. Will it be about how little money you earned and how little money you saved? Are you going to say at the end of your life, if I had five more years, I'd have spent it watching some more Netflix? I don't think so. How about playing on your phone? Well, in five years, man, I could have really, I could have got through that wordle. It would have been hard. I could have got through that game. Man, I could have really let them know what I was thinking on Twitter. Boy, I could have lit Facebook up. If I had five more years, whoo, I would have just, I'd have finally made a thousand friends. You see, none of us would think that way. There's so many things that we can choose to use up our time with. But no better time could be spent than making sure that we grow in our relationship with our Savior. Psalm 27, 4 says this, One thing I've asked from the Lord, that shall I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. That's David. David was a king. David lived in a beautiful home. David had lots of servants and lots of food and lots of entertainment. He had everything. And you know what he says? Out of all the things that he had, he says, you know what? I just want to be close to God. He envied the priests who get to spend time in God's house. That's all he wanted. Everything else paled in comparison in his eyes. What about you? Where has the Lord spoken to you today? If you can identify with Mary, praise the Lord. Keep going. Savor the time that you have with Jesus. And if you do, 
I know that it's resulting in joy. It's, it's re resulting in the abundance of the fruit of the Spirit. But if you're finding that you're more like Martha at times, then can I recommend something? Go before the Lord today. Make it right with Him. Go sit at His feet. Maybe not here. Maybe back at home. But spend some time saying, Lord, I'm sorry that you've been pushed off the stage and I'd, I'd invite you to come and be the center of everything in my life once again. We all need to do that at times. Recenter ourselves so that our focus and our all is on Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time you've given us to once again think about where our life is and the priorities and the way that we live our lives. So many people get to the end of their lives and they have so many regrets. We don't want to be those types of people, Lord. We want to know that we lived our lives to the fullest and that means to live in your service. Help us not to put aside our relationship with you for good substitutes while losing the best of everything that we want. And that's with you. Thank you for this morning and this good reminder you've given to us. It is in Jesus Christ's name that we pray and ask these things. Amen.